time for the Susan Taylor Podcast, where we discuss the yoga of mind, medicine, and healing. Author of Feeling Good Matters, Sexual Radiance, and the Vital Energy Program, Dr. Taylor imparts authentic knowledge and practical tools that inspire, educate, and empower us to be a healing force for positive change. So join us and take your life and our planet to the next level. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 144, Can What You Eat Have Emotional Consequences? Five Tips to Get Back in Balance. You know, the World Health Organization estimates that by 2032, anxiety and depression will be the number one health issue on the planet. And I think that during this time of the pandemic era, you know, it's likely that it might be the case already. And it's also interesting and important to note that in the context of mental health issues and mood issues like anxiety and depression, these are considered to be non-communicable diseases. And that goes a long way with everything like heart disease to certain kinds of autoimmune disease. And, in, you know, in the sense to say that these experiences are largely preventable with lifestyle adjustments. Today, I'd like to talk about diet because I've been getting inquiries from the community on how they're feeling anxious or depressed and a little unsettling or unsteady during these times. So I thought, let's focus on diet and nutrition because um, for my book that I'm going to be promoting very soon, Return to Radiance, I talk about diet and nutrition as part of that, actually a large part of that. So I want to kind of tie all of that in together. So it was perfect timing to the community to ask that question. So let's turn to that. And research shows that diet and lifestyle, as I was mentioning, you know, how these diseases can be preventable or these disturbances, whatever we want to call it. We don't have to call it a full-blown disease, but research does show that diet and lifestyle and our dietary experiences and our life experience have a very big influence on all of these things that I spoke about, anxiety, depression, heart disease, um, anything that goes along on those terms. And so one of the factors that has become more significant is, you know, the question of what we feed our gut microbiome. You know, I've been talking about that. Is that influencing our mood? And there's total support on this right now. And there's solid scientific evidence that it's the case. And it's not just something that we're just throwing out there. It is the case. And it gives us one more data point to really working with any kind of anxiety or emotional uh, upheavals, let's say. For example, there are numerous studies showing that the use of antibiotics, I'll give you the other side, alters our gut microbiome, which contributes to a host of diseases. You know, therefore, it's important that we maintain a happy environment for our gut microbiome in order to have emotional stability. And this is beyond the scope of this episode talking about the gut microbiome, but I wanted to lay the foundation for a discussion on nutrition. So as I did a course last year, and I'll be, I'll be bringing it up again for 2021, do you have the guts to be happy? And what I was really talking about, our gut microbiome, our brain-gut communication, because that's always on synergistically in coordination, they both take care of our emotional well-being. You know, the afferent and efferent connections, they allow for messages to be sent from the body to the brain and the brain to send signals from the brain to the body. 
and both work together to supply the brain with a constant supply of fuel that we get from our digestion of nutrients. And that fuel comes from the foods that we eat, or shall I say, the foods that we digest and assimilate. And what's in that fuel makes all the difference. Put simply, what you eat and digest directly affects the structure and function of your brain and your gut health, and ultimately your mood. So like an engine, your gut-brain operation functions optimally when it gets the premium fuel. And you've heard others say it, not just me. So eating high-quality foods, those that are grown in healthy soil, harvested at the right time, and processed without destroying the nutrients, nourishes our gut microbiome as well as nourishing our brain, protecting it from oxidative stress, for example, the brain I'm talking about here. The waste or free radicals that are produced when the body uses oxygen can damage cells, and especially when we talk about cells in the brain. But unfortunately, just like finely t a finely tuned engine, as I just mentioned, your gut brain health can be damaged, again, if you don't ingest anything but premium fluid, uh, fuel. I was going to say fluid, but it's really about fuel. So if you're encountering, let me give you an example of what I mean by things that aren't premium. And you probably already know this, but I'll go over it anyway. You know, if you're taking in foods that have been saturated with pesticides, which I would say 90% of our food is, even if it's organic, with lots of food additives or had the nutrients and fiber processed out of them or spoiled in some way, or, you know, hydrogenated oils, for example, which everyone's conscious of now, you know, they, they really um, are a cheap way to produce, you know, to help uh, produce food sources. And what happens is that will produce rancidity and it's not very good for your brain. And, you know, it's likely that when we have foods that have been adulterated, these foods, no matter what they taste like, you're going to have a different taste, if you're real familiar with the word taste. And your tongue might like the taste, but when they arrive in your gut, your gut's not going to be happy because it'll malnourish or undernourish the gut cells and actually expose the gut cells to something that's toxic, you know, like an antibiotic or even a pesticide. And what it does is it sets off the alarm bells for the microbial community that they're going to go into their own pattern of feeling unsafe. You know, it's very profound to say the word unsafe. Our emotional imbalances or upheavals or unsteadiness, however we want to define it, really comes from feeling unsafe. It's so subtle that our cells, if they begin to feel unsafe, they're going to panic and you're not going to be able to absorb the nutrition and the nutrients that are needed for having a vitalized body and a real clear, calm, and tranquil mind. So when your microbiome feels unsafe, so do you. And multiple studies have found a correlation between a diet high in refined sugars, for example, and impaired brain function, and even a worsening of symptoms of mood disorders such as depression. So it makes sense. If your brain is deprived of good quality nutrition, or free radicals or damaging inflammatory cells are circulating within the brain's enclosed space, you have brain tissue injury, 
what happens? You feel unsafe. You know, we're connected. So the body does not want to feel unsafe either. What's interesting is that for many years, the medical field did not even acknowledge the connection between mood and food. But today, there's a field called nutritional psychiatry that's finding, they're trying to find, and they're working on the consequences and correlations between, you know, what you eat and how you feel. So that's pretty good that we have, at least it's getting into mainstream medicine. And also there's correlation between the kinds of bacteria that are found in the gut and your moods. So how do foods, you know, the foods that you eat affect how you feel? We can look a little bit into neurochemistry here. We know that serotonin is a neurotransmitter that helps to regulate our sleep, our appetite, and mediate our moods and inhibit pain. And 95% of our serotonin is produced in our GI tract, our gut. And know that our gut is, you know, our gut is lined with 100 million nerve cells and neurons. So the inner workings of our digestive system not only help digest food, but also guide our emotions. Keep in mind that that 95% of serotonin in the gut does not cross the brain barrier. But serotonin has physiological consequences within the body to calm the body down too. It has its own mechanism within the body and the brain makes its own, okay? Just to keep you that that clear. What's more is the function of the neurons that we're talking about, you know, the production of the neurotransmitter like serotonin is highly influenced by the billions of good bacteria that make up our intestinal microbiome. You know, these bacteria play an essential role in our health, as I just mentioned, because they protect the lining of our intestine and they ensure that the intestine is a strong barrier against toxins or bad bacteria. And also it helps to limit inflammation. So it'll improve how well you absorb your nutrients from your food and then activate neural pathways that travel directly between the gut and the brain. So that's how it really all works. And I just used one. I didn't use anything, uh, any other neurotransmitters like dopamine or GABA. So we could talk about that another time if you're interested. But it may sound implausible to you, but the notion that good bacteria is not only uh, not only influence what our gut digests and absorbs, but that it affects the degree of inflammation throughout our whole body, as well as our mood, you know, our mood and our energy. And that's what I talk about in Return to Radiance. It's about, I'm working on a course now for January uh, 2021 on energy enhancers and energy depletes, you know, depleters. So it does affect our mood and energy. That's why I'm bringing it up in this podcast, because it's so fresh now and all the research that I'm doing. So our mood and energy will gain traction. And if we learn how to work with inflammation within our body. So what does it mean when I say food that feeds the mind? You've heard me use that before. We did a course on that. Start paying attention to how eating different foods makes you feel, not just in the moment, but the next day. You know, try eating a clean diet for two to three days. That means cutting out, I say, all bread products. I would start with gluten products like bread or casein products, milk and dairy, just to try, or even processed foods and sugar. I'm not telling you to do it all the same time because it can be very difficult. So see how you feel with just taking one food out, one food group that way. If you feel good, extend it for another week and keep records. And then slowly introduce foods back into your diet one by one and see how you feel. 
It's really amazing when you use your body as your own research laboratory because that's the way, when I was studying nutrition, that's the way I really learned about diet. And experience is, for me, it's been better than reading books and you know doing all sorts of things. Have the experience yourself. You know, when some people say go clean, they can't believe how much better they feel physically and emotionally and how worse they feel when they reintroduce foods that are known to cause inflammation. Now, if your digestive system is so perfect and up and running, it usually can overcome a lot of the inflammatory foods. But most of us don't have that capacity right now, especially because food is devoid of many, many of the nutrients. Inflammatory foods are tied to a higher depression risk, and that's what I really want to tie up here and say that research has long indicated that typical inflammatory Western diet, you know, sugary drinks, refined grains, fried food, processed meat, high-fat dairy, and sweets is associated with an increased risk of depression. And there was a study done in 2020 that outlines both the several, you know, positive and negative associations between diet and depression. And that was done, I think that was published in the International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health. So keep in mind there are anti-inflammatory fats like omega-3s from foods like wild salmon, monounsaturated fats from avocado or extra virgin cold-pressed olive oil, and they're also tied to reducing depression and possibly anxiety and lowering blood markers for inflammation. We also have certain antioxidants like flavonoids. Again, they're found in berries, beans, citrus, and apples. And they're also inversely associated with depressive symptoms. So that's pretty good that we do have some things and Mother Nature does provide for us that can help us. So I'd like to say, you know, do certain nutrients or foods help keep emotions in balance? Well, we could say yes and no to this. You know, studies do show that certain foods help with anxiety and depression, for example, but it does not seem to, it's not, doesn't seem really correct to say across the board that everyone's biochemistry is the same, but because it is really different. So correlation is not necessarily causation. And if we discover the reasons, let's say for anxiety, we could make one generalization that an organism, that's our, ourselves, let's look at ourselves as a whole organism, whether a cell or a whole human, does not feel safe, there's a problem. That's what causes anxiety. And it can be caused by a perceived threat. But now, as I started this episode, if we feed the cells poisons, though, they're also gonna feel threatened. So when we hear dangerous news, when we feel unsafe, right? If we don't have certain nutrients, our cells react. And if we don't eat systematically, the cells will not feel safe. So all of this must be taken into account. So it's not just filling a cupboard with vitamins and supplements and herbs or eating the best foods that money can buy. It's really a a mixture of all of it. For the Western mind, it always starts with an external discovery, and rightly so. There's usually something deeper, though, going on, as I mentioned. So although dietary regimens do indeed balance an organism, it is on an individual basis. But there are some general guidelines that I'd like to leave you with to consider. And again, this was outlined in all the books that I've done in podcasts. It's nothing new for those that have been in the community for the last several years. 
but eating on time, systematically not making yourselves guess when they're going to be provided nourishment. When, you know, this whole intermittent fasting, what that does is it does send the cells guessing when they're going to get their nourishment. It's not as cut and dry as it appears to be in the literature. Pay attention to your emotions. Eat foods devoid as, you know, of as many chemicals as possible. Practice the overnight fast. I outlined that in Return to Radiance. I've outlined that in Feeling Good Matters. I outlined that in the Resilience Course and everything that we do because I'm an advocate of the overnight fast. And I've been doing that for over 40 years now. Avoid stimulants to get moving. Use, you can use coffee and tea. There's nothing wrong with that. But don't use it as a crutch to get moving. And be skillful on supplement use. Taking supplements and if your digestion is not up and running are just going to create more problems in your body. So just keep that in mind. Uh, I said, again, the guidelines I gave you five. Eating on time. Eating foods devoid of as many chemicals as possible. Practice the overnight fast. Avoid stimulants to get moving. And be skillful in your supplement use. So just keep all of that in mind. Remember, better nutrition helps everyone because the food-mood connection is unquestionable. And if you don't have those emotional ups and downs, upgrading your nutritional status does help you indeed cope with stress, something we're all dealing with these days, you know, with what's going on. So improve your diet for emotional strength. You'll have positive outcomes, improvements in your immune function, and if you need to have some weight adjustments, it's going to help with that as well as improving sleep. So I hope this episode helps those or serves the purpose of those that inquired about diet and moves, uh, moods. And if there's still interest, you can always contact me and schedule an appointment to work with me specifically on your needs. I am available to that. And always keep in mind that the first line of defense and recovery is already within you. Just do your research. And that's what I'm a proponent of, trying to empower, let you see the power within yourself, your own radiance. And if anything, that's what I'd like to show you so that you could become your own best healer. Stay nourished always, and most of all, remain calm. And please check out my new book, Return to Radiance by Susan Taylor on Amazon. You can search for the title, or you can go to susantaylor.org and go to books and you can follow the link to that. And that brings us to the end of this episode. And if you'd like to be notified weekly for new podcasts, please subscribe. The Susan Taylor Podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And also, again, SusanTaylor.org. So contact us at SusanTaylor.org if you have any questions, comments, or even feedback. And thanks again for listening, and thanks for your support. Any questions, comments, something you might want to hear, just let me know. And until next time, remain calm, consciously aware, living in the moment.